Live with CDP, a weekly sports and entertainment podcast, live on YouTube, Facebook Live, Twitter, and on audio via Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, and Anchor FM. Now here's your host, Chris Pame. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Live with CDP Sports Talk, sponsored by Barry Cullen Chevrolet dealership here in Guelph at 905 Woodlawn Road West in the Guelph Auto Mall. You can check out barrycullen.com for the selection of their used and new vehicles, or you give Barry Cullen dealership a call at 519-824-0210. Uh, I'm looking forward to season four, episode 32 of Live with CDP Sports Talk today. My guest is going to be Daniela Ponacelli. I hope I pronounced her name right. She is the uh, sideline reporter for the CFL's Saskatchewan Rough Riders on 620 CKRM in Regina, Saskatchewan. She's also their pregame, postgame host, and she's also does some play-by-play work for the uh, uh, Regina's football, the Regina Rams football team, as well as the University of Saskatchewan Huskies uh, women's hockey team as well. So really appreciate Daniela coming on today and uh, and being able to talk a little bit about her career and also about those CFL Saskatchewan Rough Riders and, and uh, how nice that stadium looks at Mosaic Field in uh, Saskatchewan. So just bear with me, guys, and I'm going to bring on Daniela. Hello. Good afternoon. How are you doing, Daniela? I'm doing great. I absolutely love the background that you have going on. Yes, Mosaic Stadium in the sunshine, <laughs> one of my favorite places. I do this for all my guests. I use StreamYard. Uh, I don't know if you mm. use StreamYard, but it's it's awesome for podcasting and stuff like that. <laughs> so every guest, I try to put a background that identifies with that guest. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Feels like home. <laughs> yes, I was going to say, I don't think you would have liked it if I put the Winnipeg uh, Stadium in the background. No, I mean, I would BMO do that field, too. fine. BMO field, fine, but not, not yeah. IG field. You can't do no. that. <laughs> no, I was going to say, hey, uh, the Bombers got spanked by uh, Hamilton uh, on Saturday. They did. Uh, 48 to 31. <laughs> I mean, we, I'm not surprised. Every team has its, has its days. I was really hoping that that would have arrived two weeks earlier the Labor Day Classic, and it was this close. We It could have happened, or at least we could have, uh, I say we, the Riders could have gotten that win, and I know that's why that that loss felt just so much harder on the team because uh, they were so close. So I guess the Bombers, they do have an Achilles heel, and they're not perfect, um, but again, all the adversity they're facing now is just going to make them even stronger when they get another run in the playoffs. I was going to say this, and I've heard this from some coaches uh, being involved with uh, a basketball league here in Ontario. It's actually a rival league of the uh, Canadian League Basketball League called the uh, National Basketball League of Canada. And sometimes the coach, some of the coaches have told me some of the worst things can happen to a team is having a long winning streak because then the guys, the players, stop listening to the coaches and they start getting complacent and lazy and developing bad habits. And maybe that's what's going on in Winnipeg right now. And that loss to Hamilton might be a wake-up call for them exactly and you know what teams will also say that right whenever they do face adversity that okay we're going to take this moving forward as a great lesson my thing though is winning begets winning 
losing begets losing. So getting on a win streak is always going to be better than having a choppy up and down season. But if you are having a choppy up and down season, yes, you've got to make the most of it. you got to keep that growth mindset going. And teams will never tell you any different, Chris. So good to hear that, uh, the, you know, they're also feeling that same way and they're keeping uh, the growth mindset alive. But win streaks really do, <laughs> really are everything. It's really great to to see. And of course, it's always a fairy tale if you get to go undefeated into the postseason and then carry that forward. And then a lot of heartbreak when it comes to an end at the very end. Uh, New England had that in 2007. They went 18 0, mm -hmm. and then they had one bad game, and that happened to be the Super Bowl against the Giants. And nobody talks about that old seven Patriots team now, other than the fact that they lost the Super Bowl. Yep, exactly. And at the end of the day, isn't that always the story? Like when you when you consider, I was rewatching recently the 07 Grey Cup between the Riders and Winnipeg in. Uh, Toronto. And one of the things that gets me is Winnipeg that season couldn't string together three consecutive wins in a row and they made it all the way to the great cup. So that's, that's the whole point of this is that it's still really anyone's game. As long as you can get into the playoffs, because you just never know what's going to happen. Single elimination. That's why I love the CFL. It's, it's very yes. exciting. I was going to say, wasn't Ryan Dinwiddie, the Argos coach on the Winnipeg yes. team in all seven? The sorry, no, no, he was um Ryan he was the backup. Yeah, he was the backup quarterback who backup. stepped in because Kevin Glenn was injured in the final to get them there. So <laughs> I mean that was part of it, but it was you should really I, I encourage everyone to watch it back. It's in full, it is on YouTube, and it is a wild game because you kind of wonder how either of these teams made it there. <laughs> When you're watching the game, everything kind of that could go wrong did go wrong through the first two quarters, and then it just magically comes alive in the second half. And I also had to rewatch it because Wes Cates, great running back, he played on a broken foot in that wow. game for the Riders, and now I work with him on the pre- and post-game show. So I'm like, I have to rewatch this now that I actually know you and I sit beside you and I get to yeah. learn from you. So <laughs> it's pretty wild. It was a heck of a game. I was going to say, uh, you're my second sideline reporter uh, for a professional football team to come on. I've had Sal Capaccio that come, came on for the Buffalo Bills with WGR and now yourself as well. And uh, did I get your last name right? Did I pronounce it right? Because that's what I, I try to take pride in. <laughs> well, yes, I, I believe so. Ponticelli. Yeah, Ponticelli. it sounded great. Okay, because that's I, I did some public address announcing work the other day for the first time in my mm. life, and okay. uh, I did okay, except there was a couple names I weren't sure about, so I kind of cheated and used the player's number. So this is something I'm working on is trying to get name pronunciations oh. accurate for my podcast and for doing public address announcing. Well, especially. Never, never be afraid to ask, and ideally, okay. if you can ask the source, that's better, but that's so tough. I'm in the exact same boat with U sports, it's really tricky. So one thing that I offered up to the Rams, so they have all these files now, the University of Virginia Rams, is we did audio intros for our radio broadcast. So as Chris, as you know, if you ever watch NFL Sunday, you know, you say your name, you say your school, where you're from, all of that. But the reason why I really wanted to do that was to get every single player, whether you're a starter or Maybe you're a red shirt this season, doesn't matter, but to get you to say your own name and to have that on the record. And so now if anyone, hey, how do you say that player's name? 
I could tell you, I feel confident now, but sometimes it's just easier. Hey, here's a quick little MP3 file. Um, LinkedIn has a phenomenal feature now that, I mean, I use it. I don't know if everyone else does, but you can actually record how you say your name on your bio. And then that way it can help with these sorts of things too. So it is tough though. I Other teams in youth sports, I have a hard time with and the pronunciation guides are always so slim because people will only put the pronunciations for the names they think are hard to say. But sometimes it's a simple, I use the, the name Tara, T-A-R-A a lot. Sometimes that's Tara. Sometimes it's Tara. So you kind of need to always be mindful that pronunciation guides are so important. But that's yeah. my little rant, Chris. I, I feel your pain on that. And you just have to do your best. And at the end of the day, um, if you do get corrected on it, make the correction and move forward. But it's it's one of those things for public address and in play-by-play. -play. It's, yeah. it's very tricky. Yeah. Hey, uh, last night, I hopefully you didn't hear this, but I decided to, I'm using Twitter spaces now, eh? Okay. Uh, it's, a, it's a live audio show on Twitter. Mm -hmm. And uh, basically now I do the Argo Bounce uh, post-game shows and a weekly show on there. And uh, last night I decided with my new microphone I got, I decided to do some play-by-play -play for the uh, Eagles-Vikings game. I, yeah. Obviously, I, I've got a long ways to go, but it just shows you how hard it is because you have to do a lot of talking and and it's just it's just a lot of work and uh i like doing it but man oh man you just don't get get go into play by play just like that you have to have a little bit of training and, and it takes time to uh get up to speed you hit it on the head and that's exactly where i'm at i'm very much still learning and and getting my my feet wet in that and it's it, it's an incredible experience because the only way to get better is to do it and practicing is a big part of it so you're on the right track chris if you keep going just keep going one thing i will say is you're also at a bit of a disadvantage when you're watching it from a tv stream because you That's don't true. get the wide field view which to me is what it it's absolutely everything you need the wide field view i've got my binoculars i'm so i'm looking and i'm checking and then oh, knowing your rosters so maybe next time you do it if you have a little bit of time to really take a look at the depth charts for those two teams before you dive in and get get a practice with the numbers and things like that then you can start just calling the names and then working on the plays from there and I mean, you might have to make up field position initially if you're just practicing. Again, I know you're actually going live on Twitter space, which is fantastic. Um, but that's just something to be mindful of because it is really tricky to watch from a broadcast feed when you want to describe. And then on the, on the other side of this, Chris, is are you were you practicing as though you were doing play-by-play -play for television or play-by-play -play for radio? Because that is very different. Obviously, I'm coming to you from a radio perspective, but... That's, yeah, actually, that's another key difference, yeah. I was going to say, I was trying to do it the radio side. And um, with TV and radio, you'll probably agree with me on this. Uh, radio is a little harder because you got to paint more of a picture for your audience than TV. TV, you, you give a little more information, but the audience can see, obviously, with the camera and stuff. How? What's your take on that? Yes, uh, pros and cons. So one thing is I absolutely love the fact that I'm growing with my play-by-play -play through radio because I do believe it's more challenging in the sense that, that you can't skip moments. You can, but then you're going to, you know, when I go and, and get feedback and you get told, hey, you, you missed this, you missed that. So you have to make sure you are painting that broad uh, picture, as you just said, Chris, exactly. For television, though, 
you might have a bigger audience or you have an audience that knows, hey, no, you've got that player wrong because I can see with my two eyes that that is not, you know, Chris out on the field, that's someone else. So in that sense, it can be harder because you have to be 100%. You should be 100% no matter what. You should be accurate no matter what, but it's a little less forgiving in that way. So I wouldn't say one is a walk in the park and one isn't because they both have their challenges, but I agree there's certainly more... Um, spaces to breathe, areas where you can let silence fill in the void when it comes to television. And with radio, it is about pacing, making sure that you are filling things in, making sure color commentator really has their time to to do their part. And then hopefully if you've got a sideline reporter, having that ability to just add that extra layer, whether it's a look at what's happening down on field level, or perhaps it's what's happening with the stands, or perhaps it's just suddenly now there's a gale force wind field level. <laughs> that can happen at Mosaic Stadium. The swirling wind at Mosaic Stadium is very real. It sounds like it's sort of like uh, Highmark Stadium in Orchard Park, New York, where the Bills play, because it gets really windy and breezy in there. And Tim Hortons Field in Hamilton as well can get a little bit of breezy. And even BMO Field occasionally being off Lake Ontario can have have some uh, winds as well at at some points. I spoke with uh, Paul McCallum last week, um, who was just inducted into the Canadian Football Hall of Fame. And I love asking kickers where their favorite field is to kick. And he said it was McMahon Stadium because there you just don't get that. It's just the way it's situated and where it is in the city. You just don't get the same crazy wind changes that a lot of other stadiums are like. And he said one of the toughest places to kick was actually Mosaic, well, Old Taylor Field for him. Yes. And the same with Brett Lawther. He says the same thing. It's He's fortunate he gets to practice in it all the time, but it's the way that the wind will swirl in from one direction and it feels like no matter which way you're kicking, Chris, you could be kicking into the wind. <laughs> you know, you don't always get that advantage. So that's something that I think uh, I always find fascinating because kickers have a very tough job, but it's a job everyone thinks they can do from their couch. <laughs> so, yeah. Absolutely. I know one of the stadiums in the NFL is hard for kicking in wins, and that would be a formerly Heinz Field in, in Pittsburgh. I think the longest field goal in that stadium is about 52 yards. So each stadium is, is different in that. I was going to ask you also, um, I'm going to have to get binoculars too, because when I was doing PA yeah. announcing on Saturday, I had trouble seeing some of the players or their numbers. So that's one yes. thing. The next time I'm doing uh, PA work or whatever, bring binoculars with me. 100%. You, you you have to have them. Um, and then once you get very familiar with who's going where and who's on the, the punt return, and you might not always need it as much, go, you know, but it's very, very, very handy. And of course, if there's an injury, you might want to know who that player is because you might not have caught what, what happened or whatever it is. Very, very valuable. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I got mine at Cabela's if you needed any recommendations. Cabela's has got a great uh, different variety and, and fairly uh, inexpensive. Okay, no problem. That's something I'm looking at. Now, since I got you on here, Daniela, mm -hmm. as a sideline reporter, do you travel with the writers on the road games as well? So I don't, and that's because of okay. my work on the pre- and post-game show. So because we have very robust uh, guests and we've got a call-in show, uh, road games, no sidelines, but all home games, yes, sidelines there. So go do the pre-game show from the stadium, stick around, go down field level, do the sideline reporting there and then post game 
run back to the station and take all the callers, which I absolutely, I love taking calls from, from fans. It's Rider Nation is so passionate and I absolutely love it. So <laughs> it's a lot of fun. I was going to say you guys were the equivalent of the Green Bay Packers because when I went to Lambeau Field in Green Bay, awesome stadium. The fans were great. The atmosphere, so much tradition and history there. And to me, you guys are the Green Bay Packers of the Canadian Football League. It will take it. I mean, I really wish that we were at the point where we were like the Nebraska Cornhuskers of the Canadian Football League because I've gone to a game down in Lincoln, Nebraska, and that atmosphere was so electric. I mean, there's there's nothing like having 97,000 people at a game on a hot September Saturday and tailgating all morning into the afternoon. It was just an incredible experience. So, uh, but Green Bay, we will take the comparison. That's very, very flattering. I was going to say, I'm a big college football fan here too. Michigan Wolverines. I've been to the big house, 111,000 people nice. crammed, crammed into one stadium. It's like, oh my God, I didn't know. I don't remember how I got out of the stadium with that many uh, people in one stadium before in my life. Amazing experience. It's just incredible. I mean, that's the thing. There's nothing like going to a sold out game, although it really doesn't always have to be sold out. If it could be, mostly full but the the crowd is 100% into it and fully engaged there's that's also a very very special atmosphere and vibe like it can be a smaller crowd but if everyone is is electric and, and intensified and in it I mean the crowd the last riders game was a tough one you know they weren't doing well this was just before the bye they're now on a bye week and there were boos from Rider Nation. They were tired of seeing what they were seeing, which was no offense, essentially. And lots of, of quarterback sacks on Cody Fajardo. And, yeah, they're really frustrated. And I, I can get that, right? Everyone has really high hopes, especially when the Great Cup is in your backyard. And let's not forget, last time it was in Saskatchewan, the Riders took it home, right? So, so, And you know what? And here's another point. I brought this up to some of the Argonaut guys, too. The last two Argonaut Great Cups – uh, wins were t in 2012 and 2017, both against Calgary. And the Argos in the regular season were 9-9. Nine and nine. So, you know, as long as you get into the playoffs in the CFL, anything can happen. Exactly. And I just saw that there were those two polls, Chris, that had Argos having a very, very high chance of being in the Grey Cup and then having a very high percentage of taking it all. And I agree with that in the sense that now that things have really shaken up, um, I was on a podcast, I want to say early July, and I had said out of the East, you know, now if the Riders cross over, obviously. That's a possibility. Personal, personal That's feelings will be that I want the Riders to take it home. But either way, the Argos really are the ones to be. And that was before the Argos had firmly um, planted themselves in the number one in the East spot. I just, I always said the thing with McLeod Bethel Thompson is you can't, you can't count him out. He might also have his inconsistencies, but you cannot count him out of the race. And the Argos have some, they have a way of getting through. And so we're seeing that now and seven and five on the season and the riders are six and eight. Like the riders haven't even gotten a seventh win. Hopefully they will in the final four games, but it's a tough stretch. We've got, Winnipeg again in Winnipeg on, on September 30th. 30th. Yep. Then it, we're in Hamilton and riders. I know everyone says they've notoriously not played well in Hamilton, but I like to not, 
I like, I don't like to think about that kind of stuff because again, it's all about your personnel and who you have and the mentality. Then there's a buy and then a back to back with the stamps. You never know how those four games are going to go. Now is Saskatchewan not even in Toronto this year at BMO field? Uh, no, because oh. we had touchdown Atlantic. Oh yeah. I forgot about so that. It was game. Touchdown Atlantic. That was and the then home game. Yes. They came, yeah. And then they came to us. Yeah. Which is unfortunate. It would be really nice to have the riders in, uh, in BMO field. I yeah. am so happy. I finally got to go to a CFL game at BMO field this, uh, this summer. And that was just because which, I had some time to go and it yeah. was so much fun. I love it. Great atmosphere. Which, which game did you go to? Cause I was at the uh, Ottawa game and then I was at the uh, Calgary game recently. No, this one was um, the first CNE night game. Okay, that would have been. We uh, were playing. Were we playing? Or sorry, I say we. Were the Argos playing? Ottawa? Calgary. No, Calgary. Oh, August Calgary. 20th. Oh my gosh! I was at that game. I was at yeah, that game. That was the game. I know. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I was. I was sitting in the end zone seats, but uh, the Argonauts have also uh, one game had me up in their media press box uh, covering really? the game. So uh, yeah, Chris, Chris Bellini, uh Chris Belnovich. And uh, Mike Hogan, the uh, Argos play-by-play guy, uh, set me up. But I love it. And all I do is I drive down to Hamilton or Burlington, which is near Hamilton, and take the go train right into Toronto. And it's right there on the CNE grounds. And it's the sad part is it's a beautiful site, a nice stadium. They got a competitive team. But the Argos fan base over the years has 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 shrunk so much since the uh, late seventies and eighties. It's it's just sad. Like they do have about ten or eleven thousand loyal diehard fans, but it's just sad they can't get more people into that stadium. These are going to be discussions, Chris, that every single team in this league has to perk their ears up and consider because you can't rest on. Oh well, we've always had a fan base that shows up, or we've always hint hint in Saskatchewan our first and only true sellout of the season was Labor Day Classic so that was helped by the fact that you've got the Saskatchewan fans and the Winnipeg fans that are going to come together Winnipeg has had more sellouts this year which is phenomenal to see you want to see that it's not just the win-loss record there's so many different factors I know that the astronomical gas prices early on in the season really hurt a lot of fans who would have otherwise maybe rolled in from out of town. But when you're having to add a, a three hour drive one way to get to a game, which is pretty average, pretty average in Saskatchewan, I would say um, two, if you're coming from Saskatoon, two and a half, but still it's, it's a very average range of time and distance to get to and from a game. And then you add that in. And then there's still people that maybe were feeling a little bit off because of COVID Whatever it is, this is a discussion that needs to be had. And it, it's scary because we don't want to lose this league and we need people to go to games. We need people to show up or we need a different way of approaching revenues and how the league stay afloat, even if it's not a sellout every game. And I was going to say, I'm an older guy. I was born in 72, so I'm 50. But uh, growing up in the 70s and 80s, the worst thing this league did was black out the games. Couldn't see the Argo games. Couldn't see Hamilton games. I could listen to them on the radio. But a lot of the generation that are my age grew up watching the NFL instead of the CFL. And that was a huge mistake back then. And uh, they also need the market. I can't speak for the Rough Riders, but the Argonauts, 
they are not marketed very well at all at all in Toronto. There's no cross promotions with the other teams that Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment owns, and they don't seem to put too much money into the team. They got a great facility and stuff like that, but long term, I am concerned about the Argonauts' uh, ability to stay in Toronto, especially when they're probably losing money right now. Yeah, I mean, again, I don't, I don't live in in that space like you do, but I know you're not the only one that feels that way. There are so many, so many dedicated Argos fans, and you have to be if you're going to show up every week, even if maybe you you feel like your team's not getting the love they deserve. It, like I said, it's so tough because even. Um, you know, I've, I've worked with the NLL, the National Lacrosse League, and I worked with them. Yeah, I worked with them in Saskatchewan. The Saskatchewan Rush also enjoyed <laughs> – that's my cat. Hello. Also enjoyed a great um, – she's <laughs> trying to jump to – yeah, there we go. Uh, also enjoyed a really great run where they were selling out uh, Sastel Center, which is the 15,000-seat arena, arena in Saskatoon. That was huge. They were – riding high off championships but it's still again everything reaches a plateau and not everyone is going to keep coming back so how do you how do you do that how do you keep energizing people incentivizing what however you want to put it to come out and watch your product when it's the middle of winter this is in the case of the lacrosse league the middle of winter it's minus 30 degrees celsius some fans i met fans who would travel four and a half hours into a game they were diehards it was awesome they obviously they were committed but not everyone's going to do that right so it's it is a tough a tough grind i know the rough riders um they certainly have so much tie into this community so much tradition and legacy and i think the blackout games Unlike what you were saying with the Argos, I think the blackout games really helped with the riders, right? Because those were the games that would be sold out at Old Taylor Field to a certain degree or really made the radio broadcasts so popular when Rod Peterson was calling the games on 620 CKRM and it it was an event, right, to listen to. So, you know, it, it had... Sometimes it had the intended effect, other times it didn't. But I don't think that'll ever happen again, Chris. I don't think we're ever going to see a blackout era for television in the CFL because they know how much it means to brand recognition, to all of that. And now it's just a matter of trying to get players to stay in markets a little longer so you can have some stars, some franchise stars of your team, some buy-in and all of that matters, right? That's that's the beauty of the NBA, for example, is that all of your stars are just like little marketing machines you're on their own. And then obviously there's lots more money <laughs> involved in the NBA, uh, comparing a little bit of apples and oranges there. But that sort of thing is not what we're seeing in the CFL. And that does take time to build. I think there's so much discussion about uh, oh, well, just try this new marketing thing or just we should be doing this. Why are we not implementing this? Even if that was implemented today, the payoff might not be right away, right? It might be five years down the line or longer. So you just need to keep the teams in place. But it would definitely be a detriment, in my opinion, to the league to lose the Argos or any team. Not have not have Toronto involved. You have to have that. So definitely. hopefully, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Um, one of my uh, audience, uh, Ken Freeman, wanted me to ask you this. He's from Mississauga, which is a suburb of Toronto. Yeah, he goes, Thank you for watching, Ken. Uh, he wants to ask you, how concerned are the Rough Riders? Uh, how concerned is her organization that the Riders need to keep winning in order to avoid an Edmonton situation at Mo Mosaic Stadium? Oh, hey, I mean, oof, good question, Ken. Obviously, the next time around, I mean, the next time there's only one more home game, October 22nd will be a lot colder here in Regina that time around, and Calgary's coming to town. So we could reasonably see the Riders not win at home until next season, and that's a horrible feeling. Nobody wants to leave a regular season on a five-game – Oh make that six game losing skid at home at that point, six games at home lost, which would be absolutely terrible. And it all started by the way, with the Argos rematch from touchdown Atlantic. <laughs> That's what started it all at the end of July. So I know they're going to want to win that one really badly to exactly avoid an Edmonton situation where Edmonton hasn't won at home since pre pandemic days. And I have a feeling that Chris Jones and the moves that he's making there, I think that curse will end for the Elks sooner rather than later. But still, it's one of those things that uh, the team has to be very considered with. And I know, I know that their whole focus, every time you talk to the players, it's all about, okay, yes, we're working on this individually, but all of us want this win. <laughs> they are playing. They are playing to win. It's just not good enough right now compared to some of the other teams, whether that's certain players or certain um, phases of the game. I know yeah, at the start of the season, special teams and offense weren't really doing well. Now special teams and defense are pretty good, but we're still really struggling with, with the O-line and, and the, the issues there. There's just something amiss. And that's, I know what the team is, is definitely focusing on that in the, on this bye week, this much anticipated bye week. <laughs> I was going to say, what's the attendance been like at Mosaic Stadium? And what are the, what's the thoughts of the fans and the media in Regina about Jeremy O'Day, Craig Dickinson, the head coach, and Jason Moss, the old offensive coordinator? Is there a feeling that there, there could be changes in the offseason? I am smiling because you've just given me a whole lot to, to talk about. So let's just break that down quickly. Your first question was about the attendance yeah. um, off the top of my head, but please go and, and triple fact check. If you need most of the games have been in the high 20 thousands. So meaning 27, 28, but we are a stadium of 33,000 people. And for reference, 33,000 people is the size of Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan. So, you know, it's a considerable part of our population having to go out to these games, which is pretty great. And, uh, but yeah, so in the high twenties, I can't say for certain which game maybe had the fewest, but I know this last one, this lights out one Friday night games can be very tricky. And a lot of that is just out of towners, right? People who have to drive in, it's not always easy to get there for kickoff. And then sometimes folks go, well, if I'm missing half the game, I don't know if I want to miss half the game. I want to be able to, to be there for the whole experience. So that's one side of it. Um, Saturday games do great. And honestly, the Sunday games are pretty great too. And we had that uh, unexpected postponement due to COVID from the Saturday to the Sunday. 
that actually worked out well in terms of attendance. You know, it was a good, it was a good game. Uh, so that's that. Uh, what was the second part of your question, Chris? Second part of the question is what are the fans perception and the media in Regina and in the province of Saskatchewan with Jeremy Day, Craig Dickinson and Jason Moss right now? Well, I always encourage everyone to, I absolutely adore the work of Rob Vanstone and the leader post, the Regina leader post. And he actually just wrote, I haven't had a chance to dive into all of it. I just sort of saw some of the headlines and, and a little bit of the first part of it, but he dives into this exact question about where the team is at and sort of the futures of president and CEO, Craig Reynolds, GM, Jeremy O'Day, and head coach Craig Dickinson. And the fans, the fans have been talking about, at least on our show, the Sports Cage Radio Roundtable postgame show, have been talking ad nauseum about, we need a change. We need a change. Now, some fans will say we need it right now, which I wholeheartedly disagree with, because at the end of the day, a coaching change now cements, I believe, cements a loss and an end to any, any sort of upward momentum, because that sort of miracle of, oh, get a new coach and suddenly you're going to win. That <laughs> it doesn't work that way. It's systems that people have to buy into. It's There's so much more to it than just that. But yes, people really want to see a change. Not There's people that don't agree with Coach Craig Dickinson's style of coaching, which is very player-focused, very much about the health and safety of the members of, the, of, of his team. He pushes them, but at the same time, and once again, I agree with this. These are grown men. You can't force them to suddenly do better and suddenly show up if they didn't the week before. They've got to find their own motivation to do that. And they also have to realize that their job is on the line, not only with the team, but within, within the league, if you don't put forth the effort that you should as a professional athlete. And any of these players will tell you themselves, that, that they're doing that, right? Some will be more honest than others when it comes to their actual discipline and their actual drive and, and what's happening. I'm veering a little bit off. So that's where we're getting criticism from about head coach Craig Dickinson. He has had to be the, in a lot of ways, the singular spokesperson. And, I, and by the way, when I'm commenting on this, I just want to preface, this is my opinion. This is definitely in no way, you know, this is just based on, what I hear from the post game show and, and the people that I speak with. And of course, what you see in, in different conversations online. Um, so please, I just want to make that very clear. So that's the head coach, but then Jeremy O'Day and Craig Reynolds, they've been called out many times by fans as we haven't heard from these two gentlemen, what's going on. Did Jeremy O'Day really think that this O-line was going to be solid enough? Now, again, we lost Dan Clark week two. We're hoping hoping to get our center back, our veteran center back before the end of the regular season. But that was a huge loss to have a veteran center. Now suddenly a guy like Logan Bandy, who I believe has been doing his absolute best, his absolute best as someone who's never been center in a professional football league before, but it's, that's a very difficult position to suddenly step into and be amazing at. So that's where a lot of, you know, and it's not just him that's had the issues. We've had issues at right tackle and the Ty Rogers. It took, it took the team six games of him having a hard time to finally say, hey, sorry, it's just not going to cut it. I believe they released him in the first buy. So that's something else to be mindful of. We could see some player changes possibly this bye week. 
I know something's going to have to give. And then at the end of the season, it is just going to matter how do we do in playoffs? Because I do believe the Riders can can make it there, can get to a post-game, a post-game, sorry, post-season in some capacity. So what did the team do? How did the team do? Where did it all end, right? I think that's where the chips will really have to fall. But fans are upset. And media, it's a mixed bag. <laughs> it's a mixed bag of um, analysis and where things are at, but I highly encourage folks go read what Rob Vanstone has to write with the Regina leader post. His opinions and insights are usually very on the pulse and fair. That's what I like about it too. And I was going to say with the Argonauts right now, I don't know if you've heard, but there is a, co a quarterback controversy in Toronto. Half the fans, 50%, like McLeod Bethel Thompson, to me, who to me is like a, a poor man's version of Brett Favre. Uh, not mm. just because he wears number four, but he's got that gun, <laughs> uh, gunman's uh, slinger mentality. And the other half want Chad Kelly, who's a nephew of Jim Kelly yes. and in the NFL. In. And it's unbelievable. I've never seen in my 40 years plus years being an Argo fan, the fan base so divided on who should be the quarterback. But what you said about the coaching staff change right now in the middle of the season, absolutely mm -hmm. agree with you on that. It's same with like starting a changing quarterbacks. Why would you want to change quarterbacks? Mm -hmm. And I'm guilty. I wanted Chad Kelly in to see what he could do. But right now this team is winning with um, Thompson and they're in first place. And if you take him out now and put Chad Kelly in, that is going to divide the uh, locker room and the chemistry up uh, between the, the players and the uh, coaching staff and management. It all comes down to that's, that's the ecosystem that both you and I actually don't, we'll never really know. What is it like in that locker room right now? Are the players actually more behind the idea of maybe bringing in Kelly and, and finishing a, po a postseason with, or going to the postseason with him? I think ultimately players just want to know, want to be around the people that they are the most comfortable with who understand the systems the best and who have, have been through those scenarios with them the most. And that's just my, my take on it. But I agree. If you've got a winning formula, even if you're not winning a hundred percent of the time, if you're winning 70% of the time or whatever, are you really going to give that up just to try something new and different? Because again, it's, I think we're also conditioned by, from watching sports movies or hoping for exact, you know, that, that miracle that happens when, Oh, someone new steps in. Okay. Well maybe that's someone new steps in and you're able to win that game because the other team maybe doesn't have as much tape on the guy. And I'm not necessarily talking about Chad Kelly only here. I'm talking about just in general. But then they figure that out. They figure him out. There's so there's so much information about people now that all of a sudden now you do need to rely on veteran experience in the three-down game and all of those other things. And Bethel Thompson has certainly had his ups and downs. As I said, I I cited him as the reason why I thought the Argos could, <laughs> could end up being the leaders in the East because despite his inconsistencies, he somehow will make things work. And maybe that's a little bit of Cody Fajardo too. <laughs> I don't know. But Before I mean, I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, exactly. I'm excited Another to see what Chad Kelly can do when the time comes and the organization and the team is ready to back him and fully back him. 
but sometimes it's just just let's throw this new thing in there just it's, it's like any relationship are you just tired of seeing the same person over and over everyone's gonna have their flaws everyone's gonna have their 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 greatness and their and um the, the the good in them and the ability that they can have it's a tough one but i do know that i i understand when your team is in the pre precarious position that you're in and i think the only reason there isn't more quarterback controversy in Saskatchewan is that the fans are not, you know, they don't think Mason Fine is necessarily better than Cody Fajardo, at least not right now. And uh, Cody was with the Argonauts for a while there too, along mm -hmm. with Trevor Harris and Zach Caleros, yeah. who we had twice. And and now he's got a uh, back-to-back rings in Winnipeg and going for a third straight Grey Cup as well. But doesn't that just prove to you the importance of the coaching staff, the importance of meshing well? I mean, Buck Pierce and Zach Galeros obviously have a really great system in place, a really great communication style and understanding. That is what counts. You know, you can have an amazing quarterback. Hello, Atlanta Falcons. I love the Falcons, by the way. But Matt Ryan... Matt Ryan would do everything absolutely right and that team would still lose. So it's <laughs> say what you will about it. It's you need to have great quarterbacking, you need to have great coaching, and you need to have good Canadians on your team. Those things missing or something out of out of the ordinary, and and then you end up in a mixed bag with people wondering when can we get the next person in? Please, right now. And they did have Brett Favre, by the way, and they traded him to Green Bay in 1992. But you not you never know if Brett Favre would have been Brett Favre if he had stayed in Atlanta under. Uh, I'm trying to remember that guy's name, the head coach. Um, <laughs> he ended up being a TV announcer as well, but uh, he just never liked Favre. And uh, you know what? You just never mm -hmm. know. And maybe Zach Colazeros would have never been as good in Toronto if he didn't get traded, go to Hamilton and then go to, uh, exactly. and then, and, and stuff like that. But uh, I was going to ask you, I can't get a, Are you still okay for time? I think, yeah, sure. Let's yeah, keep going. Good to, yeah. Okay. Uh, before I get into some questions for you, um, Daniela, Ken has another question for you. And I was, I was going to ask you about this after, but uh, okay. he wants to know if you had an opportunity to meet Garrett Marino and uh, how did you find, what was he like towards you and, uh, thoughts on his uh, release by the Rough Riders and was it the right choice? So ooh, lots of questions. Um, number one, I actually never got to meet him, meet him. So obviously I saw him <laughs> on the sidelines or, you know, at practice, but I never got to meet him. So I never actually, you know, interviewed him or had words with him myself. So all I can say is I, I can't really speak to him, his character or who he is as a person. I can say this very honestly, that a lot of the other defensive players I spoke with on that team had very good things to say about him, just as uh, a, a person that they stand shoulder to shoulder with. So there, I'll pass that along. I will, you know, and, and that's just the truth. That's what they had told me. Now, admittedly, that was before the release. But even still, I don't know if any of that has changed. I saw that when the announcement came that he just signed with the USFL, that um, Kyran Moore, number four, Swerve, he, you know, congratulated his former teammates. So I don't know if there's necessarily bad blood or anything like that. Again, fly on the wall in a lot of ways don't know the ecosystem in the locker room, don't know how all of that dynamic played out. In terms of whether I think, 
my opinion on his release. Truly, I personally have a very neutral feeling about it. At the end of the okay. day, someone, yeah, at the end of the day, someone lost lost their job. So that part on its, it's head hard. is really, it's hard and it's yeah. sad. It's part of the business. And I think the thing that hurt him might have been just the level of maturity about the situation. So you did something wrong. What do you, what do you do next? Right. At what point can we look to you and say you led with maturity and great insight in, 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 in the, in the, the weeks after, right. Or, or whatever it is, that's my take. And of course, all I can, all I can do is, is look at the outside. I do find it interesting because the, Last game he played with the team on the post game show, we weren't talking about Garrett Marino. We were talking about a million other things that the riders were doing wrong <laughs> and all the other things that needed to be fixed. So it was such a an insulating experience being on that show and then suddenly stepping out and it was like the everyone else in the world was talking about Marino. And I'm, it was a kind of a surprise because to me, I'm like, oh, that didn't seem to be what the people who are actually in the stadium watching the game caring about really we're concerned with so i don't know and that's okay. that's where i'm at with it but either way i will say that 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 whole everything that surrounded him i personally believe definitely added some stress to the team and added some stress to the organization because to have to battle pr things it, it you've got so much else to worry about <laughs> But I don't know. I, I still I, I have a hard time with with the release because of when it happened. And I wish I just knew more. I wish I had more answers and more insight into what was it? What was the thing that finally decided, OK, we're, we're we can't defend him anymore because the team and coaches and everyone were very much on his side. Leading up to that. Yeah. So, well, thank you for answering that question. And that's why I, uh, when I uh, have a guest come on, I always like to check ahead of time mm -hmm. that if there's a, like a question, an area you, you can't really, they, he or she can't really comment on. So I, I try to, I don't want to uh, have somebody come on and then give them a question and put them on the spot. So I always try to check with my guests to see what's, what Chris, they're cool yeah. about talking. Yeah, no worries. And again, it's my thing is that I'm just not going to have a hot take on it because it was there was so much to discuss with the incident with Jeremiah Mazzoli and then everything else after that. It, I mean, he never got a penalty, an in-game penalty. While he went upon his return, was he a clean player through and through? I don't know about that, but he never actually got flagged on the field. He did get one that was um, later reviewed and then he did receive a fine of which we'll never know how much that was, but it, it's an interesting thing that the officials themselves weren't actually keeping. It wasn't them keeping the eye on him. It felt really very much media driven and not necessarily local media, some local media, some not. Yeah. I was going to say, and uh, I grew up with football in the seventies and eighties and uh, back then, man, oh, it was a lot different than it is now, but I'm all for uh, protecting the quarterbacks and, and player safeties and stuff like that. But dude, there is more scrutiny now on players, athletes never before because of social media as well. It's so powerful nowadays. We were talking about this on the post game show because uh, a lot of 
fans have suggested maybe we need a coach that comes in and is, you know, tough, tough on players. Like we've even Mike Ditka, right? That's one example. Or, you know, um, you know, all these, all these hardened coaches. And Wes Cates, I'll give him credit for this. He made such a great comment that I, I still stands out with me, which is modern football. You have a coach come into a locker room who does something, maybe throws something, maybe whatever it is. You don't think that's going to end up on the internet. You don't think that's going to end up on social media. You don't think that person's going to possibly get fired like this. It's such a different dynamic now because everyone is so public and that it, it's it's also a different type of athlete you are now inspiring and 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 bringing into organizations that are trying to uphold a certain level of respect on every level so if you're going to walk that walk you have to talk that talk so you can't have someone come in and rip apart rooms and make people feel terrible fear-based leadership it might be successful in one moment or one instance or perhaps with one player but it's not going to be successful for a championship team. I don't believe Mike O'Shea rolls into that locker room and screams at the Winnipeg Blue Bombers every game to tell them, you got to win this one. They just win. They just want to win. They're, they have a championship demeanor and spirit and understand. They're, they are calm, calm, cool, and collected. Maybe not in the last game when they got, you know lost, but they'll be trailing by 14, by 20. And they just know there's still time in this game. We're not out of it. And it's all about that mental point. And you don't get that with someone screaming at you. I've never believed that. And there's a reason why that old, why it's an old school style of coaching. It's, and it's now yeah. modernized. Just oh. like Mike Babcock, uh, unfortunately, with all his Stanley Cups, his gold medals, uh, and that's why he's retiring from hockey because what he did for many years with his coaching stuff no longer works in this era of uh, hockey and pro sports. And uh, like you said, it's, it's a different, it's a different uh, time and era for sports than it was back in the seventies and eighties. And even in the nineties, when I was growing up as well. Mm -hmm. I do think that there's, there's a time and a place for tough love and for difficult conversations and for you maybe being a bit emotional with your players. But that, that's exactly as a time and a place. People aren't going to show up to practice scared of you and then perform their best for you. On the other side, you can't. You don't want to overcorrect. You don't want to be too lenient in the sense of, oh, you're not feeling well. I guess you don't need to practice today. <laughs> now, that's you're not going to really see that on the pro level. At least you hope you're not going to see that on the pro level. But that's something that people can fall into at maybe, you know, levels below, right? Is if, if you have too, too kind and lenient a, a leadership. But that being said, it comes down to the players. And if you've recruited properly, and if you've done the work into the personnel and the people that you've brought into your organization, that shouldn't be a problem. You should know that they're going to meet you more than halfway with their discipline and you're, you should know that they're going to meet you more than halfway with their intensity and more than halfway with their drive to personally be the best at their position and to do their job. That's, that's the whole goal, right? You can't have one person doing one thing and the other person not. Definitely. Um, 
Are you still okay for a few questions? I was just going to get a yeah, few questions do, in yeah, here. Yeah, we can do a couple. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Okay. Uh, can you tell my audience here in Guelph, I think one of your Rough Rider players uh, blocked yeah. the kick for the Rough Riders, played for the Guelph Griffins. I think, uh, what was his name? I'm trying Ian to remember. Schaefer Baker, number, yeah. Was it him? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So the Guelph Griffin. Yeah. I'm, I'm involved with them as well, doing camera work for them. But Wonderful. Uh, I was going to say, uh, just tell my audience a little bit about yourself. And uh, when did you decide you wanted to pursue a career in uh, in broadcasting and stuff like that? So, oh God. first of all, I don't know where to start. Um, <laughs> a little bit about me. I am, uh, I'm originally from Cape Town, South Africa, moved to Winnipeg in 2000. Everyone goes, Winnipeg? Why Winnipeg? <laughs> my my mom got work there and that she brought the family including my dad and my brother and um so that's sort of where we set up shop i always say winnipeg is my canadian hometown went to my first cfl games as a kid there i think one time i went as a as a girl guide even it was a lot of fun but i never got hooked on it in the same way until Labor Day Classic 2012, I went with friends from, I was working up in Saskatoon at the time in one of my first in, industry jobs. And he's like, you got to take the bus down to Regina to do a Labor Day Classic game. And it changed my life forever. I got so hooked. And that's that's why I'm like, I just had such an amazing experience that I'm like, I, I got to stick with the green and white. Not that I wouldn't ever work for another organization or that I wouldn't want to, you know, sideline because that's not what it's about. But I'm talking about like my fandom and who I cheer for. That's why it's Rider Nation for me because of that amazing experience I had there. And uh, in terms of being a broadcaster or just in the industry gen gen uh, generally, as a kid, I always wanted to be a writer. I actually just wanted to be a newspaper reporter and then maybe write books one day or something like that. And so I got into um, a great program in Winnipeg and um, did, did journalism. And um, also, Chris, I'm just worried that I'm, that my laptop might die. So I'm just letting okay. you know. Okay. <laughs> but okay. anyway, long story short, I got into that and that would have been, it's been this year, more than 10 years now working professionally in the industry. And my first job was actually as a newspaper reporter. Then I got into community television, worked there for two years in Saskatoon, went to Winnipeg, worked with CTV, got my news skills built up there, came back to Saskatchewan because the heart wants what the heart wants. Uh, ended up working in radio there. And it was through radio that, and just where I was in life, I just got more and more into sports. I connected in the sport of roller derby. I started doing play-by-play -play calling there after I was a skater. And that took me all to all these different places in the U.S., Philadelphia, New Orleans, Winston-Salem, North Carolina, Omaha, Nebraska, um, just a whole bunch of different venues. Actually, I went to Philadelphia a few times. They have a really great roller derby scene there. Um, Montreal, all of that to call roller derby, high level international roller derby. And that's what got me hooked on it. And I decided to leave news, go work for the Saskatchewan Rush for a season, went back into news on the off season. And thank goodness I did because the pandemic hit and everything shut down and sports wasn't an option. So I was very grateful that I had 
news work. And it was then that I did uh, morning show anchoring. And so I just kind of got to keep building, right? I'm like, okay, so I've done reporting and I've done lots of camera work and I do editing, but I've never like been at a desk and hosted. So all of that, right? It's just all building, building. And then it was the game changer for me was getting the play-by-play job with the University of Saskatchewan Huskies for Husky Fan, which is this amazing digital platform, brand new, by the way, um, just launched last year. It's already won awards for its sports coverage within the province, which is amazing because it's a small team. It's always small teams. It's like small but mighty, right? And um, I realized that this is what I want to do. I want to take all those skills that I worked with in news and I want to transition to sports. And the live game day part of it is a big one for me. I also got to work with the SJHL, WHL for hockey, um, recently did work with the CEBL, the Saskatchewan Rattlers. and But it's it's the game days for me. And I know that that's not always going to – game day isn't every day, but that's what I love the most. And that's why I sort of set my sights to. It's like I'd love to be involved, whether it's in the booth, whether it's on the silent, wh- however – I just want to be around that. I was going to say, and I do volunteer work with Rogers TV here in Guelph for the Ontario Hockey League's Guelph Storm. And Mm. I love being a part of a live broadcast. So I'm learning the TV side and I'm also learning the radio side and I'm doing freelance media work, digital writing, live interviews and stuff like that. And and I love hearing stories from my guests as well because every guest has a story that's new to me and I have have life experience as well. So um, is there enough juice to ask you two more questions? Am I allowed to quickly pop out? Because I realize I can just go get my my yeah, cord. Yeah, but just yeah. let me pop out quickly and then I can do that. Can you okay? Yeah, and that, I, I can keep talking. I uh, like to talk. I'm okay, so I'm just I'm li- am I literally just gonna jump out of frame and go get yeah, that? That's fine. <laughs> okay, no I'll... worries, I'll keep talking. <laughs> Anyways, guys, uh, my guest Daniela will be back in a minute. She's just gonna get a, a, a charger for her laptop because I was just gonna ask her some more questions about her career. She's also the uh, play-by-play announcer for the Regina Rams football team uh who just uh played Saturday night at Mosaic Stadium and I believe they lost eleven to ten to um Saskatchewan Huskies and then the uh the game she covered Friday night at Mosaic as well uh the Raiders lost or the the Rough Riders lost uh to uh the Elks 26 to 24 so uh just bear with me and my guest Daniela will be back and uh just having a great conversation with her about her career and uh her work with the uh, Rough Riders and Rams and Huskies and stuff like that as well so um great guest and if anybody on here has any more questions feel free to ask so see i've learned how to ab lube and uh, to keep rolling when us when I, guess <laughs> I heard you you did great i should have uh, also plugged in my laptop that's another pro tip always plug in your laptop I've done that myself one time and I almost lost my podcast show because I said to my guest, I'm so sorry, but my laptop's about to die and I need to charge it up. His name was Tim Langdon. Tim Langdon, the Blue Jays public address announcer at the Rogers Center. He was so cool about it. He actually went and talked for about two minutes while I came back (laughs) and uh, he was good about it. So so I have my stories too. So, All right. What's the next question? How did you end up becoming the play-by-play voice or announcer for the Regina Rams football team, as well as the University of Saskatchewan Huskies women's team? And and how much of an adjustment was it to do play-by-play and do hockey? Because it is a fast sport. Oh, it's so fast. I mean, it's fun, but that 
the learning curve is real sharp. <laughs> you think you're like, I know what I'm going to say and do. And then all of a sudden everything is happening all at once. And yeah, it's a, it's a fun ride. So the University of Saskatchewan women's, uh, the Huskies team that came about before the Rams. And really what that was is Patterson Media up in, um, actually based in Prince Albert, Saskatchewan, wanted to launch this digital platform completely focused on Huskies sports. And one of the big catalysts for it, you mentioned Mike Babcock. Mike Babcock actually uh, coached the men's hockey team this past season um, with his son, Mike Babcock, as well. Mike Babcock. Mike Jr. Third. Yes, actually the third, because I believe there's another Mike Babcock before the Mike Babcock. So uh, anyway, that's besides the point. But the reason why I'm bringing that up is, you know, he certainly brought a spark of interest into that Huskies athletic program. So that's really great for them. And then, you know, the athletics department really wanted to make sure that more of its sports were represented, that the women had had representation, too. And then the thought was, OK, well, why not like ensure on the broadcast perspective that maybe we can bring in female play-by-play announcer. And it wasn't just that it had to be female, but that was one thing they were keeping an eye to because why not? Why not see if that's a possibility? And so it just happened that all of my roller derby work, which I always thought was, you know, just something I love to do. And this bizarre sport is very fringe to a lot of people. Um, That's actually what got me noticed was, was that I had done that. And then they considered, Hey, you would you be interested in learning more about hockey and and calling hockey and i was able to have that opportunity to learn once again and um chad just took it and ran and i was just so happy that made it through the entire season last year without getting covid um was attended every single game the team went all the way to nationals in pei which is incredible they hadn't gone to nationals since 2014 it was really kind of a fairy tale. They they got bronze at nationals. We didn't we didn't make it into the final, but that it was an incredible experience. Um, and then from that, I had already started to transition out of news, and there was an op- We knew that there were going to be changes made to the um, Rough Riders broadcast because the wonderful Derek Taylor is now calling. Uh, Winnipeg Blue Bombers games, which is, I'm so happy for him. It's his hometown. It's, or not his hometown, sorry, but it's, it's where he professionally got his start and, and has such a great base there. And his wife, Fiona, who I love, Fiona Odlub, she, uh, she's from Winnipeg in area, like in Manitoba. So um, there's just such great ties there for them. So when that was happening, I figured, and this is kind of what I tell everybody, if, if you, you've got to put yourself out there and, and hope that someone's going to see something in you, but also know, know your worth and know your value that you can bring. And so I sort of just put myself out there with the, um, with Harvard media in, in saying I, I would be interested in seeing what I could bring to your, to your team, just because I know that there's changes happening and I know that there's opportunities. Of course I can do play by play in this sports and whatever, but you know, and, it worked out better than I even imagined, right? I, I got to be part of 
I get to be part of the writers broadcast because they saw value in in my ability to host and my ability to report. And then they thought, you know, why why not why not add that extra that extra part to it? And you can be the voice of the University of Regina Rams for the season because you've proven that you can do the do a do a job and and get better and and learn and it really is an incredible opportunity and one I take very seriously. <laughs> I have to remind myself like it's fun. It's a game sometimes because I'm just so I just want to do the best job. Everyone wants to do the best job. So um that's how it came to be. It wasn't as though it was posted somewhere. There's a lot of misunderstanding in this world. It's not always that a job is just going to suddenly appear and and then you apply. It's about putting yourself out there and doing what you can, getting better, and just trying to be as authentic as you can be. But that's how it happened. A lot of people want to know how it happened, and, and that's the short of it. There were lots of meetings. There were lots of discussions. There were, you know, maybe you could do this, maybe you could do that. And then this is very happily how it all came together. Okay, I have to ask you this. Did you have any mentor or mentors who helped you out with play-by-play? -play? Yep, uh, a little bit. Yeah, for sure. I uh, was very fortunate um, that through Husky Fan, I was able to connect with Chris Cuthbert. Um, I was also very fortunate that I had just local people. Uh, to me, he's one of the best, but the great Phil Andrews, who was a more than a decade as the voice of the Regina Pats. Incredible, incredible hockey play-by-play -play guy. He was fantastic. When it came to football, um, you know, I've had conversations with Rod Peterson. I've had conversations with uh, another local guy here, Dan Plaster, who gave me all the depth chart stuff that you need. I mean, Michael Ball has been an incredible, incredible resource and someone who provides feedback for me. So, Yes, I did. And I'm, oh, I hope I'm not name dropping. I don't mean to be that way. Um, it just, it is important to know that people are not, you, they're not just doing this alone because you can't really do it alone. You need to have at least somebody in your corner to try to guide you in the right direction because everyone's going to make mistakes, lots of them, and you don't even realize it until you're doing it sometimes. So. Yeah. I've made some mistakes on my podcast. I've made some mistakes doing live camera work for Rogers TV, but I also, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, it's not just friendships I've made off of here, but it's networking and contacts uh, huge in this industry. And uh, everybody I've had on my show from the NFL, the NBA uh, has big name guests, local guests. They've been all real supportive of what I'm trying to do because I'm 50 years old and I'm just basically, uh, I just got a taste of uh, broadcasting two and a half years ago with a CEBL team that used to be here, the Guelph Nighthawks. And it led me to yeah, Rogers. I I'm so sorry that you guys lost yes. them. Yeah. I, uh, that's another subject for another day. Cause I wrote an article about why they left Guelph and I, I'm, I'm disappointed on that. So I'm hoping mm -hmm. Guelph gets another uh, basketball team with the national basketball league of Canada. But as for myself, uh, I'm doing things, the, uh, the old school, uh, self-schooling self -schooling myself and doing volunteer work and getting out there and giving out my business cards. I've had a demo reel made up and uh, just trying to get better every day and every improve. And uh, 
and one thing about this uh, profession, and you can probably uh, say this too, you're going to have a lot of successes, but you're also going to have a lot of rejections. So just don't let, take the rejections personally and just try to move on from them and, and keep working hard and, and keep improving. And a lot of people will never know what you were rejected from. That's They'll true. And then they, they look at you. I mean, I've had so I've had I've actually had people in my life, people who are I'm close to, say to me, like, oh, but you always get this, or this always happens for you. And I'm like, no, that's that's not true. I mean, I'm very grateful for everything that I've been able to um, every opportunity I've been given that I've been able to step through and complete and 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 grow from and learn from and take to another level. But there are a lot, there are a lot that you will never know didn't happen, right? I mean, that's the truth of it. And so it's so important to just keep that in mind. And there's been times when I've been so grateful pretty much every time that, hey, I'm glad that other thing didn't work out because I wouldn't be doing this if that was the case. Or I'm glad that I chose to do something different here so that I could be ready for this. And um, I've always liked the idea that luck is just opportunity meeting preparation. So keep doing what you're doing. Keep volunteering. I did um, my first interview with Cody Fajardo. I got to tell him that, hey, by the way, in that amazing um, season that you had in 2019, I was your quarterback ISO cam for most of it. You know, I did so much work behind the camera and I love that, by the way. I still actually do some freelance videography. So I've always just been a student of, I just want to know everything. It doesn't mean I'm going to be the best at it, but if you can give me an opportunity and I've been able to do this to, okay, I'll, I'll work in the truck and do graphics. Okay, I'll work in the, the truck and do this. Okay, I'll go up in the in the control room and, and help as an assistant director. I'll stand outside in the cold and rain doing handheld. I'll Because the more you know, it just helps you be better even in just your one role. Like for me, for example, when I'm doing sideline, I respect... Now, again, I'm not always doing sideline for television. I, I did that some some last year with Can West TV, actually, on the U Sports side. But it helps you respect every member of the crew that much more. I know that when I get to show up as talent and I don't have to show up eight hours early, like I know the crew had to because yes. that's what I used to have with, to do. Yeah, with Rogers TV, yes. You just respect everyone's. I always go and thank everyone. Thank you so much for being here and thank you for doing this. And I'm not going to treat you any worse than anyone else because you are so valuable. I wouldn't be able to do my job if it wasn't for you. And I think that part and vice versa, right? So to me, I've always believed like if you're just a student of the things that you love to do and you just want to get better or you want to, whatever it is, just, just be humble and hungry as much as you can. Never, ever stop. And always know that you deserve you deserve a place at the table. And sometimes you have to set your own table <laughs> or set your own place and make your own seat. But that's okay. You know, you never know when the next invite's gonna come or the next time someone decides, you know, to, to draw out the chair for you a little bit. So it's that's an important thing to keep in mind. And everyone's path is different. And the people that get the super easy road from the outside. It might not actually be that easy or it might not be that beneficial because maybe they haven't had to, as we were talking about earlier with teams facing adversity, maybe they haven't had to face adversity. 
Definitely. And uh, I just got two quick questions for you and we'll sure. wrap this up, but I definitely would hopefully maybe I can have you come back on again in the future and, and then talk a little more because you have so many great stories to share. <laughs> and uh, like I said, uh, and I'm definitely going to have to come out to Western Canada. I've you, been to more of the sure. States. I've been to more of the States than my own country. I haven't even been outside of Ontario other than in the States. So I really <laughs> need to get to Western Canada. Yes. Yes. I'm at, I yes, need to get do. out there. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm definitely, and I want to check the out. The Cup is coming in November. <laughs> yes, in 2022. Uh, I would love to go to Mosaic Stadium. It looks so beautiful. Mm -hmm. It is. It it's so amazing. Beautiful. You should come. Okay, mm -hmm. definitely. I will let you know. But this one, I want to just two quick questions. We'll wrap this up. Um, what is Radio? Sorry, what is Raider Nation? Rough Rider Nation like and to cover sports in the province of Saskatchewan and is it a what is it a is it a football first sport and then hockey or is it kind of even oh I, I it's that's a hard one to say I mean the Rough Riders have a very special place and I always try to give the perspective of I worked in news in this province for probably a combined seven yeah seven eight years and Ride like so, not so much focus on sports, but focus on news. And riders' stories are always in the top newscast. You know, they're always they, they're not relegated to the bottom of of the pack if it's actual news. So that could be a, a big player released or a big player signed, or you know, the schedule is out. That needs to lead your newscast. And in the morning, when it's morning television, you're trying to get everyone set for the day. You would always talk about, hey, it's rider game day and traffic here is going to be bad. A reminder, you know, when you're coming home today, don't take Elphinstone or whatever it is, right? So it really is part of the context and the culture here. But it's certainly not for everyone. There's a lot of people who will tell you straight up, yes, I'm from Saskatchewan, but I'm not into football or I'm not a football fan. But uh in season, it is all about the Rough Riders. It has to be. Uh, when it comes to hockey, it all depends which community you're in. And I mean, I love I love covering SJHL, the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League. And you go to some of these towns and cities, the city of Estevan, for example, they just hosted the Centennial Cup. And it was incredible. There were so many, like all these teams from across the nation were there. And everyone comes out and there was um, in the finals, I should say, there was one night, it was a blizzard, and people still came out, and there were three power outages during the game, and people still stayed in their seats. <laughs> so it's hard to say. I I can't, from my seat where I'm in, in Regina, say, oh, it's for sure a football place, or it's for sure. And people who are passionate about their sports here are very passionate. And they have to be, because there's always going to be travel. There's always three, four, five, six, seven eight hour drives to go see the teams you, you know, and love. And then the Saskatchewan rush, they have such a great, a great fan base. They really do. I always think of the fans who drive all the way up from, for example, the town of bean fate, Saskatchewan, which is very small in, in the Southern part of the province. And that one way drive is six hours, five to six hours. And they do it. And I've become a fan of the National Lacrosse League thanks to my mm -hmm. friend Pat Gregor from TSN. Yes. Pat He's Gregor. Amazing. Pat, yeah. great guy. I met him three years ago at Lambeau Field in Green Bay, and we hit it off. And uh, I've gone to Toronto Rock Games and the uh, Buffalo Bandits this past season. I uh, had me come, come up to their media box, John uh, Gerkler. I think that's his name. Yeah, he uh, had me come up, and I got to cover the the 
Bandits Rock game. And uh, and I even did a, a lacrosse game for Rogers TV here a month ago in Six Nations, which is just outside of Brantford. Yes. And I yes. love the sport. And uh, now it's in my top five sports uh, to watch. It's oh, it's so fun. Game. I mean, if you like hockey and basketball. Yes. <laughs> yeah. If you like fast sports and you like contact. Yeah. And yeah. I absolutely love it. That's the best blend I, I can say to describe it on the surface. Yeah. But I'm not doing it justice. It, it is really its own beautiful, beautiful game. And I'm here for all the growth and I'm here for the growth on the female yeah. side. It's, fa it's fantastic. Yeah. I was going to say it's a small world and it's just amazing how many guests I have. Um, uh, Brendan Shanahan's brother, Brian is a hall of fame lacrosse player. Brian, oh, yes, he came he on, he came on my show as well. It was great. Oh. And it's just, a, it's a small world because it's funny how, some of the everybody I have on my podcast show at some point has been involved with uh, lacrosse at some point, and uh, yeah. I'm looking forward to the the 2022-2023 National Lacrosse League season and the new team in Las yeah. Vegas called the <gasps> Vegas uh, Desert Dogs. I think. Yep, it's going to be yes. amazing. I'm I'm so pumped, and I mean I don't know if I'll be getting to work with that league anytime soon, but either way, I'm a big fan, and I loved working for the league and for the team. So yes. yeah, it was, it was a blast. I might have to come down to Saskatchewan, not just for a Rough Riders game, mm. but a Saskatchewan rough game. And well, before, the thing is they never overlap, but that's, that's okay. true. That's true. Yeah. Now, before I wrap this up with my final question, somebody that's never been to Western Canada or to been Saskatchewan, what would you tell them? The, why, why they would want to come out to Saskatchewan, the province of Saskatchewan. It is unlike it's just its own little, ah, how do I describe it? I mean, that's a really tough thing because I, I'm assuming that this is someone who's from what Toronto GD, GTA Guelph. area, maybe. Yeah. Guelph. Guelph. Yeah. Or so, Guelph. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That works. Yeah. It's a different, it's a different vibe. I, what I, what a lot of people have told me, people who've come from elsewhere and, and come here is that it's a, a big, small town. So it's very much got that feel of, Everyone knows each other. There's that sort of intimacy there. Um, there's some great little spots. There's so much talent, whether it's like culinary talent or uh, performance talent. Like it's, it's Saskatoon, for example, has a great art scene. Not that Regina doesn't, but I just feel Saskatoon has maybe a little bit more. Um, and it's it's beautiful. It's got its own natural beauty. If you are into hunting and fishing, this is the place to go. I will tell you, it's amazing that that there's that angle that outdoorsy angle but you know in winter time there's so much to do if you are active and outdoorsy if you know if sports isn't the only thing you're coming here for um i i have a couple friends coming in from you know eastern canada and for great cup week i'm like well i i want to go dog sledding you want to go dog sledding with me i feel like it should be good enough to go dog sledding so there's some really cool opportunities even close to um the city of regina so I don't know. And, and you have to come, if you're coming for sports, then you've, you're already in for a treat because the Rough Riders experience is one you just have to come to. And especially if you're someone who's maybe only ever experienced a CFL game at BMO Field or, yeah. Toronto, you know, I mean, yeah. Yeah, like Hamilton. Hamilton. yeah, but Hamilton, Hamilton's Tim Hortons Field has a really great vibe too. Don't get me wrong. But if you've only experienced it there, it is nice to experience it elsewhere and have that other perspective and um they they put on a great show whether whether you're cheering for the team or not it's so much fun i was 
going to so many games before I ended up working as a camera op and then now working on the sidelines. Um, but I, and I love it. I, I love game days and even just being in the city on game day because you'll go anywhere. People are wearing their jerseys and it's just it's such a great vibe and attitude. But um, I don't know if that answered your question. I guess I would say to them, you have to come. You have to you have to try it at least once, much like I've been out to east canada many times and and it's not always for a long time maybe it's for a weekend but i always leave feeling so great that i got to experience something a little different yeah canada there's, there's so much to do in canada and to be honest like i said i've been to the states more than my own country and i really should start mm -hmm. coming coming out to other provinces and to western canada because i've had guests on from vancouver and calgary and now Regina, oh, you, okay. So here's the thing. I'm mostly focused on the Saskatchewan perspective, but yes, there's a whole bunch of awesomeness out on the West Coast. Calgary is a phenomenal city, one of my favorites. You're right by the mountains. You're so close to Banff. You're, I love it. And Edmonton's a, a gem too. Like I've, I've gone to see some games in Edmonton. Winnipeg is always going to be special to me. And I love what Winnipeg has to offer nowadays, especially in winter. If you're willing to spend some, do some things outdoors, try to go when it's like Festival de Voyageur in February. There's so many cool things. There's like restaurants on the river, the frozen river. It's it's really cool. Okay, definitely. I'm going to wrap this up because I've kept you more than 40, 45 minutes. My podcast <laughs> show was originally called 30 Minutes Live with CDP. And then that got scrapped because, uh, unfortunately, I guess in a way it's a good thing. Most of my shows go about an hour, I guess. So some people <laughs> now, some people want me to change the name again to 60 Minutes Plus Live with CDP. Yeah, like 60 Minutes show. Plus is, is a more <laughs> valid, valid term for sure. But uh, I apologize if I kept you too long. It's just I really enjoyed uh, uh, talking to you about the Rough Riders okay. and uh, oh, your experience in Saskatchewan. And uh, this is my final question. This one is just any advice for anyone, male or female, looking to get into broadcasting, not just myself. And where can my audience find you on social media and your website and uh, your next and then your next game uh, with the Rams, I believe, is this Friday night on September 23rd. And then the writers are on the road September 30th at Winnipeg, correct? All of that is correct. Yes, I'm flying out with the team with the Rams this Friday to go to Vancouver. They're playing the UBC Thunderbirds. A whirlwind trip. We're going to be out that morning, back that night. So that's exciting. Um, my advice, I'll keep it simple. And I sort of imparted some of it before, which is stay humble and stay hungry. And if you know where you want to go, be okay with the road winding a little bit. So people who think it's going to be a linear path that bridges will be open for you in a straight road the whole way. It's not impossible. I'm not saying don't expect that, but be willing, be willing to go this way or that way or try something different. I mean, I never in my life thought that I was going to be a, a fully contractual freelance basis person, but the world has changed right from where we were when I started my journey 10 years ago professionally. Um, and the days of, oh, you need to be somewhere for five years or six years before you can, you carve your own path and know that um, it might wind a little bit, but if you feel in in your mind that your compass is in, headed towards the north that you've, that you've envisioned for yourself, 
keep going. I know that sounds very flowery, but that's my best advice. And you're going to encounter so many people who want to support you and a lot of people who don't want to support you. And that's okay. Just give your energy to the right people and give your energy to yourself. And again, eye on the prize. Um, I'm a big, I've, I've also, I'm a big visualizer. And if you envision yourself in the roles that you want and do the work with it, those two things are very, very powerful tools. Um, I do always caution people against just thinking that, oh, if I just say this out loud, that that's going to be enough. No, you still have to go through the steps and you have to be brave and you have to be okay with being a beginner and you have to be okay with getting advice and feedback. That's a, that's a hard one. That's a hard one. Cause you know, you can work really hard on something and not always want to do that. So that'd be my advice. And then I, I'm just going to keep adding layers to it, Chris. Um, where, where you can as much as possible, try to be you be genuine and authentic so that if people don't like you at the end of the day, all right, well, not everyone likes everyone, but I know that I can lay my head down on my pillow feeling good about the person I was or the broadcaster I was today, because I was speaking from a place of, of genuine belief, whether it's in myself or in my team or in my, in my opinion. Um, yeah, be kind. There you go. <laughs> and uh, great advice. And uh, it took me two and a half years, but I finally got my first local GM uh, sponsorship of my podcast as well. Amazing. Congratulations. Yes. Thank you. See? And uh, mm -hmm. I'm, and I have an underdog mentality because people, uh, uh, I still have some naysayers say, oh, you're 50 years old. You don't have the schooling, but you know what? I'm not against schooling in that. But uh, I just like to prove people wrong. And this is something I have a, a passion for. And since the pandemic in March of 2020, this is my 197th episode today. Wow. Well, I've been very lucky. Thank you. And That's it's amazing. Great. And you know what? It's the guests that make a podcast. I'm just the host. I just ask questions. People want to see the guests. And uh, I've been very fortunate to get people such as yourself uh, to come oh. on. And uh, like I said, I'm definitely going to have to come out to Western Canada. And I think the first province would have to be Saskatchewan. <laughs> well, definitely come by and uh, you'll, you'll have a good time here. You'll have a good time. And I, you'll probably meet some more podcast guests that you want to have on. So there you go. <laughs> Definitely. I'm always looking for and booking guests is a full time job itself. Yes, it is. That's why it producers is. make good money when you're, yeah. And that's a great, that's a great skill to have too, which is why when yep. people say, I want to be on air, well, have you tried producing? Have you tried going yep. that way? Because sometimes it's like learning that foundation makes you better in everything else, right? Yep. And I'll just put your social media on here. Oh, yes. Sorry. Yeah. So it's simple. My website is daniellaponticelli.com. The spelling right is there. Um, that really is more of just a place where I, I put some of my work. Uh, there is a contact button there, but really best way to reach me if you do want to connect is, is Twitter. Actually, I do have an Instagram that's public too. And then my Facebook is definitely not what lots of people want to add me on that. And don't be offended if I don't. My rule is if I haven't met you in person, I'm not adding you to my Facebook. That's just a me thing. That's a privacy thing. I'm not posting any hot takes. Actually, most no. of the stuff I post on there is stuff I'll post on Twitter or, or my Instagram anyway. So really the best place to connect with me, especially on sports, 
is Twitter. Twitter. And then through Twitter, you can find ways to reach me just like you did, Chris. So there you go. Yeah, definitely. But I was going to say thank you so much for coming on live with CDP Sports Talk today, Daniela. And uh, definitely uh, I'm going to uh, hopefully we'll have you on again in, as a guest again, maybe just before the Grey Cup. How's that? Oh, sound? I would Maybe love that. And then I can tell you all about what we're doing in Regina yes. for the Great Cup because there's so yeah. many cool things. Oh, I'm so excited. That, that would be great. <laughs> and and I was lucky to go to a Great Cup in 2016 in Toronto where Ottawa beat upset Calgary. And it was a great experience. And I, I can't imagine what it would be like in Saskatchewan for the Great Cup. Well, don't tell anyone, but this will be my first Great Cup. <gasps> oh, wow. Congratulations. Live. live. Yeah, okay. live. So that's so, going to be exciting. And I won't be, I won't be on the sideline unless the writers get it. Hey, so. as long as they make the play, if hey, any team in the CFL that gets into the playoffs gets hot, gets a little bit of luck on their side too. You just yeah. never know. Because like I said, the Argonauts, the last two great cup wins nine and nine in the regular season, which isn't really that exactly. great. So, exactly. but, uh, Okay, just give me about 15 minutes after this podcast is over, and I will have it downloaded to my audio platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, and that. And uh, I'll, I'll, I'm looking forward to listening to this uh, later on. I do this with all my shows. But thank you so much, Daniela, for giving me an hour and a half of your time. And uh, <laughs> I will definitely uh, let you know when I, I can come out to Western Canada and uh, Go come to Mosaic Stadium. And I want to say uh, best of luck to your Regina Rams and your Rough Riders. Thank you. We need it. We need all the luck we can get. Thanks, Chris. Okay. Well, you have a great rest of the day. And uh, we'll we'll keep in touch with you on Twitter then. Sounds great. Thank you. Thank you so much, Daniela. Have a great day. Anyways, guys, I hope you enjoyed my podcast today uh, with Daniela, and uh, I really appreciate her coming on. And guys, just before I go, I'm just going to show a little clip of um, uh, the uh, Rough Riders uh, Elks game from Friday night, where the Elks uh, won this game by uh, two points. Just bear with me, guys. Just some highlights of Edmonton, Saskatchewan from Week 15, courtesy of TSN. Division clash at Mosaic Stadium. The Elks find themselves in a must-win situation. A loss tonight will officially eliminate them from postseason contention. The Riders, on the other hand, looking to bounce back after losing the Labor Day Classic and the Banjo Bowl to the Bombers. Second and seven for Fajardo. Hickson slides back into the right of his quarterback. Fajardo over the middle again. And another completion back to McKinnis. Fajardo now empty backfield. Steps up in the pocket, takes off on the run. Now... Fires it ahead. He's got Schaefer Baker for a first down. Moving well for a guy who might have been sleeping on one of those small benches in the delivery room the last couple nights. Pajardo now. Quick feet again. Nowhere to go. Eventually will push ahead back to the line of scrimmage. Get the riders on the board. Just under 87% on the season. And no problem here. Second and 13 for Pajardo. A big chunk here is what he needs. This three-man pressure again. He's got McKinnis. Third and just under two. The lineup in shotgun nope. for Fajardo. He's going to look down the field. Deep shot to the 10. All the way down to the end zone. Lunging in and they got it. Touchdown, Shaq Evans. His first of the season. And the Riders strike early. From the 18. 
Near side, they'll get into the hands of Dylan Mitchell, and Mitchell's going to go up the sideline per carry so far. He's been throwing the ball 10 times, caught it every time. He's been a great addition so far. Three to the right, three to the left. Some pressure coming on Cornelius, and now he's going to take off. He's got a ton of room. Cornelius out to the 50, and now he finds some room on the far side, and he's still going. The big fella It's going to rumble down inside the 20 and eventually be Woo! taken down. Castillo. Two for two last week, 81.3% on the season from the right hash. A little chip shot and do what you want, essentially. <laughs> They'll hand it off to Brown, stays on his feet, cuts it inside, and now he's got some room to run. What a drive up the field from Brown with the oh, ball popped loose. Out of bounds. A discussion on the sideline, and it will remain Edmonton football. Second and ten, final play of the quarter. Pressure coming from the Riders. Cornelius in trouble again, trying to get away. And now he's going to take off, and the big fellow's going to take it over midfield. And boy, he might have just picked up a first down. Fresh set of downs at the Rider 35. Three options out to his right. Oh, Looks there first. Will throw that way. Has Terrell Walker wide open. Walker's going to take it down inside the ten, and eventually tripped up at the five. Blew it dead when nobody had it, essentially. Right. Here's Cornelius again, pushing through. This time he's in. And Edmonton, with a little bit of help, finishes the job to make it a one-point game for Fajardo. Seven of eight for 97 yards. Tripped up, stuffles. First year out out of Oregon. Early movement here against that line. They're going to look down the field to Mitchell. Cornelius drops it in down to the 30, to the 20, to the 10, and he'll take it home for a touchdown. Oh, boy. 77 yards, but this one likely coming back, although Cornelius says it's going to count. And Well, he's celebrating, and he was back there talking to the official. Outside schedule number six. Oh, there you wow. go. I thought he's, I thought he's declined. Result of the play is a touchdown. First and ten for the Riders in Elks territory. Fajardo wants to be throwing again. Now he'll take off, and there's some room. He'll work towards the 40 all the way down the sideline. This time they'll get it to Hickson. Trying to push ahead up to the 30, a short pickup. Bother out to change that right here on third and five. He'll kick it from 35, and that one oh. off the uprights. Riders once led this game 10 0, they now trail 17 10. Fajardo throwing again, and that is a completion out to midfield. Former U of A Golden Bear, Jaden Dalkey, knocking that ball loose. Fajardo now second and 17, in trouble again, trying to stay on his feet, but he is taken down. A ton of time for Fajardo. Four receivers out to his wide side left. They'll hand it off to Hickson. Hickson's got nowhere to go, wrapped up and taken down. Fajardo, second and 11, over the middle, and that one incomplete. Ricochet is why the ball gets shot out of there. Lothar from 39, and this There's time no he sneaks it just inside. Three receivers to his wide side right. Has some time, dumps it off to Marshall, and Marshall will get close to that 50 before forced back. Hit from 52 earlier in the season. This will be from 51 on the left hash. It is up. It has the leg, and it's off the upright again. Riders working from their own 44. Fajardo has a completion. A little bit further up the field at that point. They're going to turn around and hand it off. And no, he's knocked sir. down just no, like sir. that. What a tackle. Konar 
busts through and contains Frankie Hickson. Friday night football at Mosaic in Regina. Cornelius steps up, finds Darrell Walker. Walker's going to take it all the way down inside the 20, stays on his feet. Down to the 10, Darrell Walker puts on the brakes, tries to cut it back. And what an effort after the catch. Empty backfield this time for Cornelius. Four receivers out to his left. He wants to take it right up the middle. Riders are all over it, and they're going to deny him. For Castillo. And he knocks that through. And I like this question. This is not easy. Fajardo avoids some heat. And now he's going to take off looking for the first down, and he's got it. Cornelius just won second and 15 for Cody. Tried to dump it off to Hicks and came right back to Fajardo. And he's taken down again. He's playing defense now. Oh, and this is blocked. Ryan tries to get it away, but the Riders special teams have come up huge. Second and 15 for Fajardo. To the left, two to the right. Steps up in the pocket, looks towards the end zone for Shaq Evans. And it's incomplete. This time, Gady was there. 38, right hash. That one is up, and he misses it to the left. Two misses tonight for Lothar. How come nobody told me this? <laughs> I've been horrible at golf for 30 years. Here's Brown. He'll take it out to midfield, and a nice pickup on the ground again. Second and 10 now. Cornelius out of the pocket, escapes on the run to his right, looking down the field. Now he's going to try to turn it back up, stays in bounds and takes it down inside the 40 for a quick slide. How did he do that? Well, Darnell Sankey thought he was going to step out of bounds when he's a chance for redemption here. Four from the right half for Castillo. 14 points. I can wait for that. <laughs> Here's Fajardo now. Got to get this offense moving. And he's got a completion. 15 of 18 on the night. Fajardo, pressure coming from behind, takes off to his right, stays on his feet, cuts it inside. Now trying to jump ahead for a first down. This one 35 from the left hash, and he sneaks that one home. Three left, three right for Fajardo, looks to the left. Tevin Jones will come back and get it. Jones is going to take off on the near side. He stays on his feet. Tevin Jones down inside the 30 and a huge play. Slide over by their quarterback. Richardo waits. Now down the field. Tyron Moore's got it and he's inside the 10. Simply got to have it here. Third and goal. Down six. Just over a minute to play. Three man pressure again from Edmonton. Richardo to the end zone. Touchdown. He finds a block of back Lenius. His first of the season could not have come at a better time. To the right of Cornelius. Cornelius with pressure coming, gets it away just in time, and he's got a completion on the near side of the field. Goes back to Darrell Walker, and the veteran receiver halted in just outside the Ryder 40. Late on the road at Mosaic. Snap is good, ball is down, kick is up, and he got it for the lead. Castillo knocks it home from 48, and the Elks go on top 26-24 for the first time in over 2,500 days. Edmund
Anyways, guys, that clip was courtesy of the CFL and TSN, and the uh, Oaks pulled out a 26-24 win over Saskatchewan. Uh, guys, I'm going to wrap this podcast show up again. I want to say thank you to my guest, uh, Daniela, Daniela Ponselli, for coming on today. Uh, she's the uh, sideline reporter for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, pre-post-game host, and also the play-by-play voice for the Regina Rams college football team and the University of Saskatchewan Huskies uh, women's hockey team as well. My next live with CDP Sports Talk, sponsored by Barry Collins Chevrolet. 905 Woodlawn Road West in the Guelph Auto Mall. Check out barrycollin.com or call them at 905, or sorry, 519-824-0210. Again, uh, thank you to Barry Collin for sponsoring my podcast show as well. My next show is tomorrow, Wednesday, September 21st at 2.30 p.m. Eastern with my guest, Will Brown, the general manager and head coach of the Basketball League uh, the TBL's Albany Platoons. I'm looking forward to speaking to Will Brown about his college uh, career coaching in the States and now with a professional basketball team, uh, the Albany Platoons, who were one game away from winning the TBL championship this year. So that uh, so that show tomorrow, episode uh, season four, season four, episode 33, will be at 2.30 p.m., uh, I typed in 3 p.m., but it's 2.30 uh, p.m. tomorrow with Will Brown from the uh, Albany Batoons, and I'm looking forward to speaking to uh, Will about his uh, great basketball career coaching in college and now uh, with the Albany Batoons as well. And as also, guys, I'm going to wrap this podcast show up. I'm just going to let you know with my podcast, uh, all my shows, here it is. Live with CDP, the audio version is downloaded to Google Podcasts, Anchor FM, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Spotify, CastBox, and LinkedIn. And I want to say thank you again to everybody watching this podcast live on my YouTube channel. I'm now up to 130 subscribers. Thank you so much. And Facebook Live and on my Twitter page as well. So. All right, that's about it, guys. Uh, I'm going to call it uh, a show for today. But again, thank you to Daniela Poncelli for coming on. And uh, I'm hoping to have her back on as a guest, hopefully maybe in October or November, uh, just before the Grey Cup uh, takes place at Mosaic, Mosaic Stadium in Regina, Saskatchewan in November. So uh, again, thanks again for Daniela for coming on. And uh, look forward to my uh, next show tomorrow with uh, – Will Brown from the Albany Batoons. I hope everybody has a great night and we'll talk to you tomorrow at 2.30 for another edition of Live with CDP Sports Talk sponsored by Barry Collins Chevrolet dealership at 905 Woodlawn Road in the Guelph Auto Mall. Good night, everybody.